Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh yes, ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome to the stage without any more mucking around a man who has to do his own off-stage announcements, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Andy Parsons. <laughs> Here we are, ladies and gentlemen, the inaugural meeting of the Slacktivist Action Group. And to be honest, what a pleasure to see so many slacktivists having made it out themselves tonight. Congratulate yourselves, ladies and gentlemen. You have done a fine, fine thing. Obviously, some of you may only have a vague idea of what a slacktivist in fact is. And that, if you had more than a vague idea of what a slacktivist was, you wouldn't be a slacktivist, essentially. So that is what you are. You are a slacktivist. If you wanted to have some idea of what a slacktivist is, okay, maybe the motto might be, yes we can, but maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Your country needs you, but if it's relying on you, it's probably in a bit of trouble. Because <laughs> we need to remember, ladies and gentlemen, although that we're a little bit maybe reticent to get up and protest about things, we do have power as the general public. You may remember the coalition government they tried to tax our pasties, didn't they? <laughs> we stopped that. Then they tried to tax, didn't they, our caravans. We stopped that. And then they tried to tax our grannies. And we stopped that. So maybe we've yet to mobilise about certain issues, but never again do you think a political party will try and stop us enjoying against us with an elderly relative on a piss-poor family holiday. <laughs> and obviously, people say, don't they, as you grow older, you mellow a little bit. But I think I've got angrier now than I've ever been, ladies and gentlemen. The reason is, isn't it, is that when you're young, you think things are going to change, right? But obviously, take the House of Lords. They were threatening to reform that when I was in nappies. But now, Cameron's just gone and put another 45 or so Lords in. We have 826 Lords, right? Average expenses per year per Lord of £100,000 in a venue that's only got 240 seats. So I think, if nothing else, what we should do is actually take a photo of all 826 Lords on those 240 seats at one moment to show what a ridiculous system we've got. And if the parties can't agree on reform, OK, what we should do is have a big game of musical chairs and the last 600 are out. There we go. Now, that was the slacktivism in action there. Three people half thought about clapping, ladies and gentlemen. So before we get going, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a photo of the slacktivist action group, OK? We're going to put it up on social media. Now, we're going to, obviously, the idea is that we basically tweet and retweet this over the course of many months, and gradually we attract members to our group, OK? One by one, and then by something like 2095, <laughs> we've got enough for our own rally and we take over Croydon. That is the plan. 
ladies and gentlemen. So what I want you to do is when we take the photo, okay, I don't want you to look too keen, you know. So if maybe some of you could be asleep, one or two of you collapsed, okay. One or two of you not sure which way the stage is, all of those things. Basically, some sort of lack of, of, of actually knowing what's going on would be perfect. So here we go. So this is, this is the technical side of things, right? <laughs> Here we go. Lovely job. Okay, we've got those in the bag. So they'll be going out. Some of you going, oh, no, I was blinking on that one. Were you, was that it? <laughs> That'll be perfect. Don't worry. It'll be lovely. So just to give you a rough idea of what's going to go on tonight, okay? The plan for tonight. Okay, it's a very vague plan. Can change at any moment, okay? But the vague plan is... We are going to have three fabulous guests up on here, right? They're going to be passionate about their subject. Some of that passion is going to rub off on us, okay? And we're going to go out and decide to do something before the next meeting on November the 30th. We meet, for those of you who give a shit about these things, right? We meet the last Monday of every month here at seven o'clock, and then we keep going in the bar afterwards when they kick us out at eight. That's the plan. So these, these three guests, when they've come on, they'll chat to us about various ongoing subjects, right? We get excited about it. We decide together to go out and do something in between the next meeting, okay? So what it is, is entirely up to you, right? You have the power tonight. We can go out and do anything in the next month, okay? Right? Obviously a mistake for me to give you the power, but that, <laughs> that is essentially what's going to happen. So before we do that, we've got a very important task that we need to go with tonight, right? We need to elect a secretary, okay? So now before you get nervous that you're going to have to do an awful lot, um, let me explain what the role of the secretary is for tonight. Essentially, it's only a role for tonight. It's not a, you're not a job for life. It's just for the next hour, okay? It also doesn't involve you having to do very much. Essentially, what you've got to do is vaguely take some sort of mental or physical note that doesn't need to be much about what goes on during the next hour. But they don't have to be at all accurate, right? You can, we only need about 30 seconds from you. You can make it all up. But the only thing you've got to do, and it can in fact be as short as this, at the end of your speech, when you've actually summed up the minutes of the meeting at the end of the show, you just need to stand up and go, I resign. Okay? <laughs> so hopefully one of you will be able to manage that. There will be a roving microphone. I have put in, we're allowing enough time tonight for some questions, ladies and gentlemen. But I thought, how many questions am I likely to get from my slacktivist action group? I thought, sod all is the answer, probably. So we've allowed time for one question. <laughs> That's all we've got time for tonight. If you're particularly keen or particularly quick, we may be able to speak in a couple. So it's not, we're not asking too much of you. I realise that the energy levels aren't necessarily quite up there, right? So what I want you to do is maybe just if you thought that you could possibly play the role of secretary tonight, maybe just a little finger in the air, okay? Just see if you can summon enough energy. And remember, all you've got to do is you... Yeah, that's very good. That's very good. No, I've seen the finger go up. That is incredibly keen down here. That is wonderful. Big round of applause for our secretary in the second row. To be honest, I wasn't expecting that to be quite as easy as it was. I felt sure we were going to have to go to the next level, which was going to be, in fact, me going, OK, so obviously whoever wants to be secretary hasn't got enough energy. Would anybody like to point to somebody they came with? which I thought was going to work well. But welcome along, madam, and that's fabulous. What's your name? Olivia. 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 Thank you very much, Olivia. So you're just going to take a few little notes in your head, or not as the case may be. Uh, you're imagining some surreal things, and then at the end we'll come to you, and uh, Olivia is going to tell us what actually happened for those of this who've got attention deficit disorder. Okay? So that's all going to be very good, hopefully. So relax, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy. Have a good time. I'm going to... In, announce our first guest now. Now this uh, this gentleman is MP. I first met him on Twitter. Basically he tweeted a photo of himself that he'd taken of the front page of the local paper which had him on there. Only the paper was had a massive crease down the side of it, right? So he'd basically taken a photo of his own head which looked like somebody had folded it, right? <laughs> So I made mention of this on Twitter, we got chatting, we actually met at an equity function in the House of Commons. Uh, when, 
when there was uh, some obviously talk of expenses and maybe this gentleman's expenses were slightly higher than maybe some of his colleagues, he said, he said, right, that the reason his expenses were higher was that he was working harder than everybody else. <laughs> so would you please welcome one of the most hard-working MPs in the House of Commons, ladies and gentlemen, the MP for Swansea West, Mr. Kieran Davies, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Here he is. All the way over here. Thank you very much, Geraint. So Geraint sits there. So in some ways, Geraint, it's been uh, a very exciting uh, seven days for you in the sense that uh, your, uh, your sugar bill, if I give it its full title, I believe it's the uh, Sugar in Food and Drinks, open bracket, targets, labelling and advertising, close brackets, bill has just had its first reading, is that right? That's right, yeah. Yes. Do you want to tell us a little bit what that is? Well, in essence, as you know, Andy, we're all getting fatter in Britain. Yes. Uh, I've got a corset on, I'm sure you probably have. The situation I wasn't is, expecting uh, such personal <laughs> comments so early on. Yeah, well, it's a bit below the belt, I know. But anyway, the, the, average, the average person in Britain is meant to have nine teaspoonfuls of sugar if you're a man, which is a can of Coke, and I haven't chosen a Coke. And a woman is six teaspoonful, which is basically a light yoghurt. But in fact, we all eat about twice that. And that's why 25% of people in Britain are obese and obesity in childhood is growing. And that's why I've got a bill which basically says there should be the number of teaspoonfuls of sugar in food should be denominated in teaspoonfuls on the products. And it's incredible exactly how many teaspoons are in a whole variety of soft drinks. I mean, we laugh at builders, don't we, with like three sugars in their tea. And yet, if you had your coffee like a Coca-Cola, it would be black, it would have nine teaspoons of sugar in it, and yeah. it would be carbonated to give you a little bit of extra wind. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly, yeah. So uh, that's the idea. I've got nothing against Mary Poppins or people who have Kit Kats or anything like that. So that's the first idea. And the second idea is to la have labelling that you, you're not allowed people or manufacturers to label products that say uh, low-fat product when really it's a high-fat product and it's basically masquerading as a healthy product and making people fat and obese and costing the NHS £12 billion a year, costing the economy £50 billion a year in, in obesity and lost products. And this is a particularly green bill in the sense that you put forward a very similar bill last year. It only got through to the first reading, is that right? Uh, yeah. But now you're reintroducing it, recycling yeah, your yeah, own material yeah. very, very much to, to so. try, try and well, this time, and you've got yeah. a second reading, so you're, you're yeah. already going further, is that right? Well, as you know, Andy, if you say a joke, it's worth saying repeating. It is, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, but, uh, yeah, I am, because it's a good idea. It always was a good idea. Now, Jamie Oliver, the difference is Jamie Oliver's come along. He's uh, spotted this idea. He's, he's running with it. And I'm just jumping on the wave, really, and saying, OK, let's do it now. Um, let's uh, label uh, products with teaspoonfuls of sugar. And let's have a global target across Britain for the overall amount of sugar we consume so that the government can take measures like taxing fizzy drinks etc to reduce how much we consume. Yeah and I did notice that he was in front of the select committee Jamie Oliver wasn't he and his, the quote was he said uh, he wanted people to get medieval with banning high caffeine energy drinks in the same way to young kids in the same way that we ban alcohol to them and i think he's absolutely right in medieval times obviously it was very hard for young kids to get hold of high caffeine energy drinks <laughs> yeah. although they were a little more relaxed about alcohol if i remember right yeah 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 well it's very serious i'm not saying it's as serious as tobacco but obviously if you get a pack of fags these days there's a picture of open heart surgery so we could have pictures of double chins and this sort of thing and th thick fingers and this sort of on packets of sweets, possibly, but that isn't in my bill. No, but Jamie, Jamie Oliver is saying that actually in his restaurants now there is already a sugar tax on, on sugary drinks he, and he, he was saying, wasn't he, that he wanted uh, essentially seven pence on sugary drinks. He, wanted to, he compared it to the, uh, the tax on plastic bags, I believe, um, that uh, obviously he's come in five pence and, you know, that seems like a good idea given that plastic bags take a hundred years apparently to biodegrade, although that did come as something of a surprise to me because often when you go to a supermarket, the, the bag often seems to biodegrade grade as soon as you actually put anything heavy in it, isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly, exactly, exactly. But Jamie, I, I'd be tempted to trust him more, I don't know about you, if when you read his book, 
15 minute meals and then you came to make one of his 15 minute meals yeah. it actually took 15 minutes yeah, yeah. if you've only got 15 minutes you sort of need his seven and a half minute book don't you that's that's right yeah yeah but the tax idea i mean i haven't put the tax idea in the bill but the tax idea is a very good idea in particular they're introducing it in mexico now in mexico the average consumption of Coca-Cola is half a litre per person per day. Most people have 163 litres and they're feeding children uh, through babies' bottles Coca-Cola. And so the government are coming with this sugar tax that's reduced consumption and tooth loss and obesity. And it's about time we took on the manufacturers and actually made a difference to people's health. And well, I was amazed to find out that they reckon that a lot of breakfast cereals a third of breakfast cereals is actually sugar yeah. and then you've got frosted cereals on top of that so you've basically got sugar on sugar like a sugar squared essentially yeah 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 yeah, yeah no it's a, a travel business and uh, a, a lot of these uh, products masquerade as i said as being low fat when they're heavy in sugar and we're just feeding our children and ourselves getting fat and fat and wondering why and the other thing is that poorer people in general consume more of these uh, these products partly because they're not near supermarkets markets and partly if I gave you a potato and said I'll oh, make some money out of this you'd be stupid to sell the potato what you would do possibly not yourself but you'd smash it up with salt and sugar and fat and make it into sort of Dennis's dinosaurs give it a jingle freeze it so it lasts a long time longer than a potato and then sold it and uh, people who didn't have any money would eat it become and maybe addicted. get a big eared footballer to get involved that sort of yeah, thing yeah yeah no, they're very useful yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then people get fat and they die quickly, but they're addicted and there's a lot of money being made. Yes, well, so. you know, the, the story of joy that you, you encompass there is, is wonderful. <laughs> yeah. so, so for those of us who are keen, keen to do something about this, Geraint, how can we help your bill or what, what can we do? Obviously, we can do a lot on a personal level, but is there anything that, you know, what, do we, what would you encourage people to do on, on a general basis? Well, in principle, you could write to your local MP and say, uh, you know, you support Geraint Davis's sugar bill and you think the spoonfuls of sugar should be on the front of packaging. Or, you know, you could write to your Tesco's and say, you know, you think this and this yeah. sort of thing. Or you go on a protest. I don't know. I haven't really thought through all the different no, no. axes, you no. know, with a great big picture of a sugar bowl. Well, I mean, let's talk about, you know, I mean, I think that. a lot of people yeah. here, and I'm, I'm also <laughs> slightly sceptical, when you write to your MP, mm. exactly, and given that we have an MP with us now, yeah. when you get post through, what is the approach? What do you do with letters that come to you going, Geraint, please, will you do this? Well, I'll... Well, I'll, I'll often send it to the minister responsible and then put my own view on it, which would often be similar to the person. They've been bugging me for yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, Please yeah, pretend yeah. you're Do doing something. something. Yeah. My goodness sake, this person off my back. <laughs> I put that through and I would raise it in Parliament as, in, yeah. as an issue. Yeah. And obviously the more people that write, the more seriously MPs take these things. And people are now concerned about... Um, you know, uh, child obesity, and everyone's oh, don't worry, they just do, need to do some more exercise, or it's there. I mean, the po problem is, everyone's saying it's the, the your fault for eating sugar, but what's been happening is people are actually sort of weaned on this diet of high sugar product. You don't know how much you're eating. So you should be able to choose between two pasta sauces. One's got six teaspoonfuls, one's got three, and you can make a choice. But at the moment, you'll pick the six because you don't know about the sugar, and it probably tastes a bit not nice, and that's the idea. So you should write into your MP and write to, write to the new, local news newspaper just make a noise about it that's it and then take a photo of it but hopefully one where you've already ironed it so is it there's no crease on, on the actual oh, no, no, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well i want to increase my majority there we go. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll take that as a mixed reaction go right there <laughs> jamie oliver said didn't he, he said that the, the reason he wants this labeling was that uh, if the british public he feels if they have good information on the whole they make good choices now obviously after a fairly heavy election defeat in may Presumably your contention would be that the, the general public didn't have great information back in May. Would that be right, Geraint? Well, it could have been better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, there's about, you know, projecting the ideas as well as having the ideas. I mean, the Labour Party should have been saying we'll provide growth in place of cuts to get down the deficit. And it, that wasn't a clear message. We'll provide a fair future. And those messages are beginning to come through now with a new leadership. So, I mean, you obviously, you were an Yvette Cooper supporter. And um, now you've got Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, how, how do you think things are going at the moment? What's your, your take on things at the moment? 
Well, we'll see. It's, we're going through a rough time. But when you look at what the media is doing now, just by way of example, talking about national security, everyone's saying, oh, Jeremy Corbyn, terrible risk to national security because he didn't sing the national anthem. Well, the next moment, Cameron's giving our nuclear energy to the Chinese. I think all the time, if we have clarity of message, you know, about having things straightforward like tax credits, you know, basically taking money out of the poorest, hard-working families is wrong, and it'd be better to take it out of, uh, you know, the 50p tax or inheritance tax. We, we need to have these choices. The British public may come out and vote Conservative, I accept that, but um, there needs to be clarity, and I don't feel that we did have that clarity, as Jamie Oliver would say as well, yeah. in terms of the, the labelling of our... Uh, well, we'll, so we'll come, we'll come to, to tax credits now. No doubt later on, but it, it does. I mean, in terms of the, the portrayal of Jeremy Corbyn, it always seems strange that they, you know, they, they're calling him certain tabloids the most dangerous man in Britain, and then you you see a photo of him with the rest, this 66-year-old pensioner, pacifist, vegan cyclist, and giving yeah. the most dangerous man in Britain. You know, he's in trouble, yeah. isn't he? If it, you know, there's yeah. a lorry turning left, and he hasn't had his yeah. vitamin B12 supplement. Sure. Yeah. So. No, well, I think you'll find he is the new James Bond. Well. That, <laughs> If, if Daniel Craig decides to give up, there'll certainly be. It would take it in a different direction, yeah. shall we say that much? <laughs> so maybe at that yeah. moment, Geraint, we'll, if you can stay here, please, we'll, uh, we'll welcome our second guest up tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this lady is the General Secretary of, of the TUC, first woman to hold that role, single mother with two adult children, born in Oxford. Uh, now living in North London, and apparently in her spare time she enjoys drawing. Now, obviously the internet is a wonderful thing, so some of those facts may not in fact be true, <laughs> but would you please welcome, in the hope that some of them are at least true, please welcome to the stage Francis O'Grady, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, Francis. Please sit there. So, welcome along. Thank you for joining the Slacktivist Action Group. Let's start up, Francis, by uh, talking. There is some trade union legislation coming through, um, and I believe a trade union rally next Monday at Westminster. So, tell us a little bit what, what, what the legislation is. Explain to us, if you will. Well, th this is a very nasty, vindictive piece of legislation that I think would make even Norman Tebbit blush. It's designed to make it much harder for workers to defend their pay, jobs and services. It's a fundamental attack on what is a human right, the right to strike. Striking is always a last resort, but if we didn't have that right, employers would never bother to talk to us. And it's got a whole range of provisions in it which basically give employers new ways to take us to court and seek damages and money, and including attacks on civil liberties that even the Conservative David Davis MP said were more suitable to Franco's Spain than modern Britain. And that's David Davis, ladies and gentlemen, David Davis. <laughs> So, I mean, as I understand it, uh, for uh, workers in essential services, the threshold is now proposed to be 50% of all members need to have actually uh, voted and 40% of those actually need to vote yes. This from a, a government that was elected on 24% of a yes vote, is that right? So given that we assume that government is an essential service, surely by following their own guidelines, they should rule themselves illegal, shouldn't they? But the, they should, and, and also we've been saying, well, fine, we want to see high turnout in which case give us the right to vote electronically online like lots and lots of other organizations do but the government says no so my answer to that is well given the conservative party has used electronic voting then they should rerun that ballot for their candidate for London mayor as a postal ballot that's right I mean the, the, the government were basically saying that they wouldn't allow you to have online voting because they they regard it very much they said as it's not shown yet to be uh, to be secure and yet it's so insecure that they decided to vote for their mayor candidate that way and Zach Goldsmith presumably to follow their own guidelines once again his uh, his election has to be uh, not secure enough yep. to be 
morally uh, allowable. So uh, there's certainly hypocrisy going on there. There's hypocrisy, but there is also this broader attack on civil liberties. Uh, before, even if we jump through all the hurdles and we mount a lawful strike, they're now saying that we have to produce two weeks in advance protest and picketing plans, setting out everything we intend to do, if we're going to carry a loud hailer, if we're going to carry a, uh, a banner, uh, but also saying that we have to tell them if we're going to use Facebook, if we're going to open a Twitter account, if we're going to write a blog, if so, what are we going to say in that blog? And, and even to the point where we have to wear armbands right. to identify ourselves. I mean, the thing about Facebook is you're never quite sure when you're going to use it, are you? It's all, <laughs> yeah. You do it when you're waiting for somebody else or whatever, yeah. to suddenly go, oh, no, I can't use it now, I'm told the government. Yeah. It's ridiculous, isn't it? <laughs> but the point is, if we don't, we can be fined up to £20,000 each and every time. So there is um, there is a demonstration on, on Monday. Um, the I believe it's one o'clock. Well, tell us the details. You know them better than one, I do. One I was trying to remember. Uh, Westminster Central Hall, a big rally and lobby, and we've got loads of people coming there to listen to speakers, including your good self. Anthony yes, I believe I, I've been. Uh, I've, I've raised myself from slacktivism, and uh, equity have got me along. But it's only three minutes, so it's not too. It's not too bad. I should be able to manage it. But also, we want people to go and talk to their MPs and explain why this is so wrong and so unfair. That's right. You know, and I believe uh, I, I'm no guarantee of this, but I think the MP for Swansea West will be very receptive to what you you've got to say to them. What, what's your take on? On, on it going. Well, I mean, the last time we saw people having to wear, you know, armbands was uh, before the Second World War, wasn't it? So the, the whole thing is absolutely outrageous because uh, clearly I wouldn't be elected on these sort of thresholds, and, and most MPs wouldn't. Uh, it's just really having a picking a fight when there isn't one to be had. The, the average trade unionist has gone on strike one day in the last 16 years. We haven't got a problem with strikes here. The Tories are just picking a strike at the same time as they're undermining wages and other rights. And then they want to blame the trade union movement and labour movement for the mess they've got the economy in. Well, and it does seem, you know, obviously they're very keen to, to attack the way that the Labour Party uh, are funded in terms of from the unions, but at the same time doing nothing about the, the way the Conservative Party are funded with all the hedge funds. I, I, if I'm right in thinking, the Commission for Standards in Public Life in 2011 recommended that it should be, in terms of donations, political donations to parties, should be limited at 10 grand per donor per year per party and you know obviously now there's no limit at all on what they can give but you'd think that maybe David Cameron actually now be quite keen to have limits in place for donors given that that way they wouldn't be quite come so disappointed that they release biographies <laughs> that then accuse him of sticking his penis in a dead pig's mouth yeah, yeah. I feel sorry for the pig <laughs> so Moving on, we were at a rally last year, um, Francis, the, you were speaking, I was comparing in Hyde Park, another TUC rally, um, it was Britain needs a pay rise. It was. Uh, and I'm, I'm guessing Britain still needs a pay rise, given that, uh, you know, obviously the minimum wage is going up, but tax credits are being taken away. Well, exactly so. Um, I mean, there's another big con trick going on here where the government is saying, oh, we're raising the minimum wage so you don't need your tax credits anymore. But there are a million people on the minimum wage. There are three million on tax credits. Uh, people on tax credits, especially middle kind of income with children, maybe a disabled child, single parents, they're going to lose £1,300 a year on average. So that is a big hit if you're on a modern income and, and the minimum wage is not going to compensate for that well that's right and if, if i'm right in in saying that he, he, basically what's happened is the threshold has changed isn't it where you you start losing the tax credits so it's going down from six thousand down to sort of three thousand eight hundred or something like that but more importantly perhaps the taper that it's coming in at is going sort of from 41 pence in a pound is then going down to 48 pence and so you you, you basically, you're, in terms of them saying making work pay, the work disincentives are in fact increasing. So it's going against their whole reasoning. This from a Chancellor who said he wanted to make things simpler. Yeah, and the so-called Workers' Party 
Yeah. We've got a way to go on that one. Yeah, no, very much. So, well, David Cameron, didn't he? He said he, he basically promised before the election that he would not reduce tax credits. I mean, this surely is his Nick Clegg moment, isn't it? You know, we've got footage of him saying he won't reduce tax credits. And you're thinking the only thing is he's gone and sported for us because we can't have a Nick Clegg moment because he's going to stand down before the next election. Yeah. It's not. But he is going to write out and tell everybody just at Christmas time how much they're going to lose. Right. Yeah, no, that, that's going to be a nice Christmas card from the government, that one, isn't it? And he also said it's illogical, didn't he? He said it's illogical for us to raise the tax threshold and then give people tax credits. But you think surely it's more illogical for, you know, a low-earning couple with kids to be actually losing money when a middle-earning couple with no kids are gaining money. Yeah. That is illogical, isn't it? I mean, I think everybody agrees it, it should be a case that employers are paying more but then at the same time, they're attacking people's best chance of getting a pay rise, which is through a union. So that doesn't add up either. And there are always going to be people who need help. You know, if you are on your own bringing up kids or you've got uh, a relative who's disabled, there are always going to be times in your life or particular circumstances where you need extra help. And that's what tax credits are for. Yeah. So in, in terms of uh, motivating our, our slacktivist action group, um, would you urge them to come one o'clock on, on Monday? Could Everybody come is welcome. Everybody is welcome. And you can click onto the TUC website and there's loads about what you can do to help campaign and help try and damage, uh, delay, dilute this bill. And, and come and lobby an MP afterwards. And, uh, okay, can I just say anything? Yes, certainly you one, can. One, Finally, to mention is that tax credits are to support people in work, but especially for people with children, and therefore they're in need. And what we're really talking about here is producing an extra 400,000 children in poverty. Mm. And intergenerational poverty is really a big problem that the kids don't achieve at, at school or then at work, and, and basically are scarring and hobbling children for life, and it's just wrong. Lovely. Well, on, on that upbeat note, <laughs> uh, there we go. There, they, they, sort of they enjoy it. They enjoy the, the grittiness of what you were saying there. But we will introduce our, our third guest. Um, this, this gentleman is the, uh, he is the editor of politics.co.uk. He's also the uh, political editor of, uh, I believe it's the Erotic Review. Now, I do love the idea that politics might be at all erotic, you know. Is there anything I can do for you, darling? Well... Maybe if you could just read a chapter from Dennis Healy's autobiography. Oh. So, to find out more, would you please welcome editor of politics.co.uk, Ian Dunn, ladies and gentlemen. Ian Dunn. Thank you very much, Ian. Take your seat. So, Ian's been getting exercised in the last few days with the Psychoactive Substances Bill, which is currently going through Parliament at the moment. This bill is basically a response to legal highs. Quite a surprise in some ways that it's going through Parliament. Uh, I believe given that uh, it, it's been tried in Ireland, hasn't worked particularly mm. well, no two scientists agree exactly what psychoactive actually constitutes somebody getting excited by the whole idea <laughs> that mentioned legal highs and the pint glass has gone over straight away uh, but uh, could include they were saying possibly include nutmeg <laughs> incense or a bunch of flowers. So, uh, interflora in a bit of trouble, Ian. Is that mm. basically what we're saying? I mean, it almost certainly includes all of those things. If you were to take it technically, yeah. they don't really want to take it technically. What they want to do is they basically want to stay one, stay, one sort of step ahead of all the, of the chemists. Chemists have this very clever thing. As soon as you ban a drug, they'll just slightly tweak the molecular structure of it. That way it's legal again and off we go. So the government wants to stop that. Its way of doing that is to just say, we ban all things which change your head. And of course, anything changes your head. I mean, a song can change your head. Food, if it reminds you of your mum's cooking, that can change your head. So there's an exception for food and for drink. Yeah. There's an exception for alcohol, because, you know, we all like doing that. There's an exception for cigarettes. Today, they put in a new exception, which is for poppers. Yeah. The reason they did that is because there's a potential sort of public health risk. Lots of gay people use poppers, and if you take it away from them, it actually increases the chances that they're going to get AIDS or HIV through sex. Yeah. So that has been added to it now, but the rest of the time, anything that changes your head in any way is about to be made illegal. The exception that I liked was the, they made an exception. Um, tea had to be an exception, apparently, because mm. that, that, that we, we could have a legal high with tea otherwise. Right? Um, but uh, 
homeopathic remedies. They said, oh, we'll, we'll exempt those. You can get an effect from those. But the, the irony, of course, being that, you know, you won't get any effect from homeopathic remedies whatsoever. <laughs> it's water with a hint of water, isn't it? So there was no need for that particular exemption. Yeah, they got away with that one. They did write a letter to the churches, actually, on incense. So incense, they said, well, look, we're not going to go for you guys because you're not smelling it directly out of some sort of receptacle, which is not, it doesn't even figure in the bill. And secondly, they said, you're not using it for its psychoactive effects. Now, the only good thing that could happen with this legislation is that it goes through and we have a court case to decide once and for all why the church is using incense. Because it looks like probably they do rather like the psychoactive effect that incense has. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I mean, I wasn't aware that, that nutmeg could be psycho, psychoactive, mm. I'll be honest with you. If you were at a party and somebody passed you a bit of nutmeg, it would come as something of a surprise that I, I should be tucking into my eggnog a little keener than I was previously now. No, no, no. But the bloke who was presenting this bill, he, 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 was a, he, he made sort of something of a mess of it in the sense that it seems unclear as to exactly where it's going. The, it looks like that purchase of legal highs that are imported will be illegal, but purchase, if you actually get them in this country, could be okay. Various sort of anomalies like that kicking around in the bill. Yeah, but even that, we had to guess that bit. Because he goes into the Commons Chamber, the guy, the Home Office Minister, Policing Minister, who's in charge of the bill. Mike, Mike Penning, Conservative Hemel Hempstead, for those who are right. of, of that interested. Disturbingly accurate knowledge of they, the government well, you have. So he goes in, he doesn't know what on earth he's doing. He starts saying, the idea behind this bill is you don't criminalise possession, you just criminalise supply. He starts saying, well, actually, we're going to criminalise the people that are buying the drug if they're buying it at any point. He, go, he does this for about half an hour until eventually they stop him. You know, one of his own sort of MP colleagues sort of says, well, just to, just to be, make it very clear to the minister, when he says that, does he actually mean, in fact, that that is not true at all? And so he just sort of gave in. But the actual bloke in charge of the bill doesn't have any idea who he's trying to criminalise. That's why he's passing a bill that cannot define what it is that it is trying to make illegal. So, like, these guys are just they're completely <laughs> off the plot. And Really, it comes from this kind of hysterical response that we have to drugs. Where drugs, years ago, that we lost any connection between the way the legislation works and actually the problem that it's trying to address. So the only way that you can address, for instance, cannabis. I mean, it's been illegal for nearly 90 years now, and I don't know whether you've walked around, but it doesn't seem to be going anywhere fast. This is a 90, nearly 100 years of policy failure that we've got on this. So the only way you can still believe in a war on drugs is if you've become completely disconnected from reality, and that's exactly what the cycle. Quite substances bill does. Well, that's it. <laughs> the, uh, it's, it's interesting that you're saying that Poppers has been made an exception because mm. you know there, there was worry that that in fact it was going to be deliberately included within the bill, and uh, obviously in terms of you know the MPs and select committee had said no Poppers shouldn't be you know included within the bill. <laughs> It, it, some, somebody's having a little sneezing attack there. I, I suddenly think they've got a little bit of nutmeg in their pocket and they're, <laughs> and they're thinking, I'm just going to tuck this in. So let, shall we widen, widen the debate out? You've obviously heard the, the chat with Geraint. Did you want to say anything on the psychoactive substances bill, Geraint? Will you oppose it? Well, you know... No, no, no. people to write to you, you know, to be fair, there are issues around legal highs. I mean, what happens is people, you know, where I am in Swansea, can go in a shop and there'll be a little uh, packet which will have these various pictures, uh, you know, uh, of strange demons, whatever they are, which basically signal that this this will get you off your head if you take this and it's legal, yeah? Is that it's what not, it it's needs not, to... And it, if it's next to the nutmeg, right, right. then not. obviously you can distinguish the difference. And I know there are these issues about definition and, you know, effectiveness and uh, getting the pusher rather than the user and all the rest of it. And, you know, there's a debate about cannabis. But, you know, I think the government sort of got its heart in the right place in some sense. But it might end up being something that criminalises something that shouldn't be criminalised and innocent people are brought in so it is very difficult yeah but I mean I even so if you're worrying about the drugs that are in the head shops I mean when we did this in Ireland when we did it in Poland we saw a 6% increase almost overnight in the way that this went out to dealers and on the dark web if you really want control of this stuff you leave it on the high street 
when you ban those head shops, you actually lose control of it altogether, and then you really can't control the kids that are taking this stuff. Yeah, well, well, there has been cases, you see, again, locally, of people who've taken these drugs and bought them in shops and have become very ill or, and near to death and all the rest of it. But, of course, you, there's got to be a balance. And I'm not, I mean, supposedly, I'm not I mean, 29 cases last year, but actually only one of them was due yeah. to the legal high itself. I mean, the rest of it, they've yeah. been taking a cocktail of drugs and said, well, legal drug-related deaths last year. The truth is, it's a bit of a hysteria. It doesn't really have anything yeah. behind it. Well, I've got an open mind because I haven't taken any yet, but there we are. <laughs> no, well, we can talk that out backstage. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so, Ian, what was your your take? Of, you know, you we were talking backstage, and you were saying you thought the uh, the trade union legislation was uh, a particularly nasty piece of, uh, of legislation. It's absolute poison. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly the way that this government goes about things of trying to dismantle any element of democratic power that might challenge it in any way. And a strike, despite what you hear in the tabloid press of it being some kind of bullying, is in fact an expression of democratic power, and we should actually you know support those workers that can actually show some kind of power outside of the ballot box. So yeah, it's poisonous. But they do this almost everywhere. I mean, what they do, right, you know, the reason that they haven't run into trouble with tax credits at the moment is because they, they did two things that would have got them out of trouble. They didn't put it in their manifesto, and in fact, as you said, basically lied about it ahead of the election. Then when they did decide to implement it, they used a statutory instrument. Now, the thing is, a statutory instrument is this clever little device that means you don't really need to have a parliamentary debate. So they just tried to smuggle it in there. If it had been in the manifesto, the Lords couldn't rebel against it. If they had put it in a government bill instead of a statutory instrument, the Lords couldn't rebel against it. So even these problems that they find themselves in come because they do everything they can to avoid scrutiny and avoid debate and avoid democracy. That's exactly what's going on with the trade union bill as well. And I did love all this talk that George Osborne is in listening mode yeah. as, as to find out exactly what that is. You know, it's, it's like suddenly, oh yes, he's, he's, he's not got his headphones on. He's, he's actually, there he is. He's listening. Listening today, George Osborne in listening <laughs> mode. So, so we've had two ministers use that phrase, by the way, in the last two days. So clearly an email has been sent out and go, if you run into trouble, just say George is in listening mode. Well, the, the, the other phrase that they love to use at the moment because of the tax credit is hard-working families. Mm. Love to talk about hard-working families. That apparently is the public's least favourite phrase, hard work. <laughs> and of course we hate that, don't we? Because we know that in every single family, there is at least one person who is in fact a dosser, isn't it? <laughs> and obviously the audience aren't quite sure who it is in their family, there may be a chance it is in fact them. <laughs> We've got an opportunity now, ladies and gentlemen, to, to maybe ask a question to, to our panel. I'm not expecting too much from, <laughs> from our, our gathered masses here. Um, some of you may be able to rise yourselves from slumber. As I said earlier, we have in fact got one question uh, uh, penciled in for this, but we'll see how it goes. So if, if anybody would like to stick up a little, little hand, if they've got a little question that they would like to ask, possibly Ian on drugs, or uh, um, that, that didn't come out quite as I meant it to. But the, has anybody got a, a little question that they would like to ask, either Geraint or Francis or, uh, or Ian at all? No. Um, yes, lady in the second row there. Um, we'll just wait a moment because I think Tom's going to come with the microphone just so as we can catch this for the podcast if that's all right. It's all turned a bit question time now but we haven't quite got the technology that they have. But uh, I did quite well by, by get, getting your right sex which occasionally David Dimbleweed doesn't actually manage. Does it, so? Thank you. No problems. I just wanted to ask Garrett, have you thought about linking up with the, um, the British Dental Association as well? Because we're talking about overweight and children and you know obesity but there's so many kids that are going through general anesthetics because they're having multiple extractions because of the sugar so could you maybe have a look at that yeah, I'll, I'll get on to that. Many years ago, in fact, I used to work for Colgate, and, uh, and in the history of tooth decay, is that when, when they introduced fluoride into toothpaste, basically tooth decay was almost eliminated, and now we're seeing this massive rise with, uh, as you say, all these awful extractions and you know, a huge rise in denture use and all this other basically, stuff. Basically, so you and left so, so the Colgate, answer is yes, and, and it's all gone tits up since then. Oh, well, that, that's, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What can you say? Um, that was an excellent question. Thank you very much for that. The, uh, the, if that's the only question we have, I'll be absolutely pleased that my audience came out with something quite as clever as that. So that, that is excellent work. I'm just having a look around to see if anybody else has got... Uh, got nobody else... Everybody nervous now going, Oh, yeah, excellent. Good, sir. Don't worry about this. You, you go for it. You wait for that mic as well. That's super. Thank you very much. This is, this is for Francis. Lovely. If I go to your meeting okay. next Monday... Do I have to wear a 
armband. <laughs> because I'm rather concerned. Well, maybe that's right. Maybe what we should all do is just bombard the government with a request for Facebook. Essentially, we, every time we want to go on Facebook, we just demand every two weeks, can we go on? And basically, we give them so much shit that all of their servers get over, you know, overblown and then they can't operate and then they go, oh, no, it's a stupid idea. But yeah, I like the idea that we all turn up with armbands next Monday. I think the Slacktivist Action Group is onto something there, sir. Exactly. Maybe we'll put yeah, good good, good yeah. idea. I think, you know, the point is we'll either all refuse to wear them or we'll all wear them. And if so, we'll make sure we supply some. Or maybe we can have an armband <laughs> that is, in fact, a suit. And, it, you know, it's an armband that's a really yeah. long armband that you can't actually tell from a sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> we could have a song, Armband Aid. Oh. Lovely. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, I've got to say, it's bold of you, Geraint, given that your early pun didn't go for much. I do, well, you know. But, but uh, no, I, uh, you know, I'm a Christmas cracker advocate. Christmas cracker is where I get my speeches. So, <laughs> any, anybody else? Anybody else got? Yeah, third row. Third row there. We've got gentlemen in the third row. What, what question would you like to ask? Hello, everyone. And I'm a visitor from across the pond. A septic tank. Lovely. Um, <laughs> your, your knowledge of Cockney is excellent, sir. And I was wondering, reading something about uh, the, the new leader, Jeremy Corbyn, he said he was a Republican, which means not in favor of the monarchy. And I was wondering where the debate was that currently among you guys. Okay, so this is, this is an American in the audience asking, because uh, of course a Republican means something very different over there. Um, <laughs> at the moment it, it seems that Donald Trump is a, the, the favourite Republican, quite, quite a, an interesting, uh, yeah, you, you're not a fan sir, but uh, it, <laughs> I, I don't think we're really a fan, it's, it's sort of imagine Nigel Farage and, and Simon Cowell had a love child brought up by hamsters essentially, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's exactly... Um, but yes, where, where are we on that debate? Ian, would you like to uh, answer that one? Yeah, I mean, as a country, we're nowhere. I mean, we, we don't really talk about it and hardly anyone really wants to get rid of the monarchy. And I have the same, and I, and I have it, my, my left-wing friends hate me for, for quite liking the monarchy. And I like it because it gets, I find patriotism this quite dangerous, potentially volatile thing. And if you can just get it and put it in a box somewhere, that's probably the safest place for it. And the monarchy, because it's unelected, because there is no sense of popular support uh, for the person who's been picked to be the head of state actually sucks the emotion out because as soon as you pick a guy like you know your president half of the country didn't pick him and there they feel sort of it introduces this kind of emotional sense of betrayal to the way that politics is conducted so I'm very happy with having the queen even though you know I, I can tell I mean I'm capable of seeing that they are all quite mad I do see that <laughs> Francis O'Garan, did you want to come in on that at all? Well, it's very controversial, but, you know, I should say that Jeremy Corbyn is clearly in favour of QE2, as in quantitative easing two. And uh, he didn't, he didn't, obviously, he didn't sing on the first rendition, the national anthem, but I understand that he's going to in future. And uh, there's a lot of people like the Queen and some people don't like the Queen. So that, there we that, are, we that, live in a that democracy. That is the level of debate we were expecting tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fantastic. Really. I, yeah, well, I've, I've come to the right place. I think, I think on, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, um, we will thank our guests. Hopefully, thank you for your questions. But if you could have a big round of applause for our three guests, that has been absolutely fabulous. Thank you very much. Feel free to, to wander off. Thank you for coming. So lovely. Congratulations to the three people who asked questions. Thank you very much for that. That uh, excelled yourselves there. So we now have to decide to do something. This is the plan. We've got next meeting. The next meeting is uh, the last Monday of the month. So it's going to be November the 30th. So it's got to be sometime between November the 30th and obviously back to today. So. Um, Obviously, Francis has mentioned one thing we could do. Gentleman here has suggested armbands. If enough of us, obviously I'm going to be there anyway, so um, I'll be happy to join some of you in the pub beforehand for a liquid lunch or whatever, whatever is required. But yes, there is the, the TUC march against trade union legislation, um, one o'clock at Westminster Central Hall, and then 2.30, um, various groups, as I understand it, go off and lobby MPs in Parliament. So that's something we could agree to do uh, en masse. If you fancy, did somebody have a little question there that they wanted to 
Uh, just people checking their diaries at the moment. Okay, just, just trying to, am I free next Monday lunchtime? Am I free? Alternatively, um, whilst you're thinking about that, I did notice uh, that next Thursday, this Thursday coming, Amnesty have got, they are hosting Zunar. Zunar is a Malaysian uh, political cartoonist. At the moment, he's liable to be locked up when he goes back to Malaysia. 43 years, as I understand it, for his political cartoons. Um, there'll be a film, there'll be a talk, there'll be a Q&A with Zunar at Amnesty's base uh, near um, Liverpool Street, I believe. It sort of reminded me... Um, one of the best things uh, I ever got involved with was a, there was a Burmese comedian called Zarg and I and got involved with the, the Equity and Amnesty campaign in this country to try and free Zarg and I. He'd been uh, locked up for 59 years in Burma, basically for jokes, essentially. And it was one of those amazing things, um, various campaigns around the world. He did eventually, after three years, get released. He came to this country, we all got to meet him, and it was one of those rare moments when not everything in the news is shit and it's a really uplifting story and it was one of those that you hold on to when everything else is going tits up and you think well there there is a really positive story so that that to me would be quite something quite nice to go along and, and meet Zuno and see see some of his work and get involved with that so that would be something else that we could possibly think about going to if people were free on Thursday evening alternatively if anybody's got any suggestions of something that they've got. I, I give the example of, you know, in the publicity for this show, we say we could do a sit-in, or we could do a lie-down, or we could flash mob a coffee morning. Basically, we don't really give a shit. We could do absolutely anything. It's up to you to suggest it. And for, for those people who are listening to the podcast at home, then, uh, you know, we don't have to be based in London. I'm very happy to travel. Right? We can get on the train. We can go anywhere. We can do anything. Obviously, sit-in is a very slacktivist sort of action. In effect, because we're trying to change the world by doing fuck all, essentially. <laughs> so that, that would possibly be a suggestion. The only, the only thing I would say, if you are going to suggest something for the group to do, um, it's got to have two things. One, it's got to be before the next meeting, so as we can then talk about it at the next meeting, hopefully, and how well we got on, how many of us turned up, whether it was just me on my own, <laughs> right? That sort of thing. Yeah, and I've got to be able to go, obviously, because if I can't actually go, the chances of the one person who's guaranteed to show up, uh, if they can't go, then we, it could all go belly up. So any, anybody got any suggestions of uh, any, anything they'd like us to get involved with in the next month at all, no? No, not, not as much activity as there. And, and now I'm worried if anybody puts their hand up now, they wanted to ask a question, but they're just a bit slow with it, in fact. So, uh, so shall, we, shall we go for the two that we've got? Or did you, yeah, we'll have a little vote for those two. Basically, whatever, whichever one has got the most hands up, okay, we'll, we'll attempt to go for. Yeah, I could give you a third choice if people wanted a third choice, or you're happy, don't want to confuse your mind with, with, with too much. The, there, I'll just tell you what the third choice is quickly. Um, the other one that I've noticed, Friends of the Earth are recommending at the Royal Geographical Society on, I believe, Tuesday, November the 10th. There is a talk basically about climate change, sort of panel discussion, um, and uh, it's something like ready for impact, climate change, are we doing enough? And if we are doing enough, are we doing it fast enough? Um, I'm guessing it could be a fairly short talk. No and no could be there, but... Um, <laughs> But, but that, it's there, and I've been told the Royal Geographical Society is a very nice place. Not quite direct action, but it, it might lead to some direct action at some stage later down the line. So there, there's a third choice. So we'll go through them one by one. We'll start off. So hands up for whoever thinks they can make them, right? Who thinks they might be able to feel free to vote for more than one? I should also add at this point, right, it's not a definite commitment to turn up, OK? <laughs> we won't be taking your names and addresses. Basically, the only thing you've got to do is if you can't turn up, okay, you have to go to my website, right, where you go to the links section, contact me, and you've got to give me some very funny apologies for absence, okay, which I can then read out at the next meeting. Something along the lines, I was about to go, Andy, but I was, went to a supermarket and there were two rival offers buy one, get one free, next order two for the price of one, and I spent too long working out which was the better offer. You know, some, some, something, something along those lines would be absolutely perfect. Okay, so here we go. Right, first one is this Thursday, 6 to 8.30, round the Liverpool Street area, okay, and it's Zunar at Amnesty. Who's, who's hands up who thinks they might fancy it? We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven for that. I'll make that seven. Everybody happy with that count? 
Everybody's happy. Seven for that, okay, with me we'll call that eight. So then we've got the trade union. Meeting at Westminster Hall, 1pm, hear a variety of speakers, some better than others, okay? Next, uh, next Monday, uh, November the 2nd, and then maybe if you've got time in your lunch break, if you can get an extended lunch break, we can lobby some MPs. So uh, who's up for that? Hands up now who thinks they might make Monday lunchtime, November the 2nd. So we've got one there, two there, three. So that's not quite working out as well as Zoom are at the moment on Thursday evening. There's Francis working hard telling us all about trade union legislation. Three more people are going to turn up. But there we go. There we go. And we'll just give you the last one night next Tuesday. Okay, next Tuesday. No, isn't it? It's, um, it's Tuesday, Tuesday week, isn't it? In fact, if I said for the trade union, it's next Monday. But yeah. Tuesday the 10th, um, the Royal Geographical Society, bit of talk on climate change. Hands up, we fancy a bit of that. Well, what have we got? What? This is going for it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten is the winner. Who would have thought it the third choice? We are going to have a bit of a knees up at the Royal Geographical Society. Starts at seven o'clock. Basically, sign up and get your tickets on their website. I think there's a link via Friends of the Earth. And I believe it starts at 7 o'clock. Now, there's a bar there. So I suggest we meet Tuesday the 10th at 6.30 in the bar. Um, and uh, we'll have a little sharpener just to get ourselves into it. Uh, or maybe a Coca-Cola if we fancy nine teaspoonfuls of sugar. Right? Uh, and then we'll hear the chat and discussion and we'll, we'll hopefully have a good time out. So that, that is good. We, we've managed to sort. We're going to do something before the next meeting on November the 30th. I should just tell you who's coming to the next meeting. The next meeting is going to be, it's going to be David Hanson, MP, Shadow Foreign Minister. I've never met him, but he sounded great on the phone, so hopefully we'll have a, we'll have a good giggle. Right? Uh, we've also got the assistant editor, or I think it's actually technically the deputy editor of the New Statesman, Helen Lewis, who writes brilliant articles, she writes some for The Garden as well. She's great. And then we've got Mark Steele. Mark Steele, brilliant stand-up, and uh, also, uh, I noticed, uh, Press Columnist of the Year, Press Guild Columnist of the Year 2015. So three of them will be here for the next meeting, so uh, hopefully some of you will be able to make it for that. So obviously before we go, all we've got to do now, ladies and gentlemen, is just for those of us who've got some sort of problems with short-term memory, we get a recap from our Secretary of tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Olivia, ladies and gentlemen. So here we go. Here comes the microphone to Olivia. Um, hi. Hi. <laughs> Basically, you talked about Jamie Oliver, plastic surgery, really bad puns, something about Canada, <laughs> um, a 66-year-old a virgin. <laughs> um, I, I don't remember that, but it sounds good. It sounds good. <laughs> oh, no, vegan. Vegan. <laughs> Um, y your mother's looking at you now going, oh no. Um, talked about Facebook and Twitter, armbands. Um, uh, uh, penises. Penises? <laughs> there was definitely a mention of a penis, yeah. you're all right. <laughs> Pigs, Christmas cards, tax credits, drugs, exotic books slash website, um, bunch of flowers, music, nutmeg, um, <laughs> and then... This is like the Generation Game as well, isn't it? Uh, George Osborne, and then Simon Cowell and Nick Clegg's Love Child. Very good. <laughs> that was not it. <laughs> and don't forget the most important thing of your speech. I resign as Secretary. Super, thank you very much to Olivia, our, our secretary. So, all, all it remains for me to do, ladies and gentlemen, is to obviously thank you slacktivists for coming tonight. Um, I would say I look forward to seeing you all at the next meeting, but uh, I look forward probably to none of you being at the next <laughs> meeting, but I look forward to all of your apologies for absence uh, posted at uh, either on Facebook or Twitter or, or whatever it may be uh, via the website, please, www.andyparsons.co.uk. And this will all be going out on a podcast. So uh, it'll be on Acast. It'll also be on iTunes. Should be available within 48 hours. So uh, get involved. Uh, even, you know, pure slacktivism. Click on something and you feel that you've done something. Thank you again for your time. And if you could give one more round of applause for our three guests... And for our secretary tonight, thank you very much.
and good night. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.